Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Share. Yeah, baby, baby, baby. This is a podcast for indie entrepreneurs, uh, business builders, uh, where we share our lessons learned from earning a living online for the past few years. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you might actually care about. There are three hosts here. The first one is Corbett Barr, the experienced one, who's done everything from venture-backed startups to blogs to bootstrap businesses. And Barrett Brooks, the young book-smart marketer, and more often than not, manager of this team and, and coraller of the conversation. And me, Chase Reeves. I'm sort of the heart and jargon and chutzpah-rooted creative director here at Fizzle. So in this episode, this is the second and final in our series about how to make an engaging course on the cheap. All right, you don't need a bunch of equipment. You need a solid plan to understand what the steps and stages are. That's what this episode and the one right before it are about. Okay, this is that plan. In this episode... We continue walking through the 38 tips to help you make something excellent your first time around. All right, it's a long one, so let's get right into it. Follow along at fizzleshow.co slash 110. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. To me, the meat of this thing really is the content and that, you've, that you make, the strategy on the content. Now, of course, that's only going to perform better when you wrap it in a better package. And that's what we've always focused on here. That's what has differentiated us from others, simply because I have a background in audio and visual and all this sort of stuff, right? We have this equipment lying around just from my personal life. Mm-hmm. So, so Audio that, equipment, that, what do you mean? That audio and, I mean, I had like other equipment. Five, 5D Mark III, I had like a $5,000 camera just because I was like, I like to take videos and take photos. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it, all that to say, like, there's this is a very complicated thing. It's it's very, to me, it, it means a lot because it is it is the livelihood of our business. It's the livelihood of a lot of people out there. Like we were talking about uh, the guy, Joe, from um, from Scrivener Coach, right? Is that the name of it? Scrivener Coach? Yeah. Scrivener, Learn. Scrivener Coach. Yeah. Learn Scrivener fast. Um and and th- this is like part of his, this is like supporting his family like that's what's so amazing about these courses and you don't need to be a full multimedia studio you know or you, you actually you do but you don't need to have a, spend a bunch of money to be that right so on this one what i we're, we're we're focusing on we've got um really two main sections of this one and the first one is going to be most of it and this is the content strategy this to me is the most important stuff uh, of of the course. Are you guys ready to jump in here? Let's so do it. Ready. Oh man, that was a, that was in tandem making it count. So um, okay, let's just let's just get started. One of the things that uh, that we're going to start with is number nineteen. Continuing on the list list from the previous episode, you got to decide on a medium, right? Is this going to be? Uh, you mean like don't a, forget, like a clairvoyant? Yeah, you got to figure out who it is that you're going to use to access the spirit world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of good choices out there. Um, no, we're talking about like audio, video, uh, text only. Don't forget, a book is basically a course. A book is a, is a uh, course. We're not talking about something magic here. We're talking about transferring information from one person yes. to another so person. The medium, right? the medium of your message. The medium is the message. What? So, so what, are, what are the options here? Well, the, the, any medium, any medium, you could you could potentially do a course through uh, you know coffee mugs. 
You know, that's a medium. But uh, traditionally, people are choosing audio only or video and audio or, you know, books and ebooks and things like that, written stuff. Um, in some ways, there's this, you know, you guys, you guys have both been to useronboard.com, this idea of the slideshow that you kind of click one to the next, 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 next. Uh, if you haven't been to useronboard.com, try that out. Check it out and go through some of those because they're amazing teardowns of how people are onboarding, uh, how, how some companies are setting up their onboarding process. But what's fascinating to me about it is, number one, you get all this color commentary that's kind of funny from Samuel. But number two, like I just kind of get addicted to clicking that button mm-hmm. and going next. Oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? That's a format that you could use. That's a medium you could use to do this. Um, though... Traditionally, when you think about a course, how do you, what do you think about? Most people, I would, I would wager are thinking about some sort of a, a video course, some sort of a guided presentation of sorts. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. Um, but you know, modern courses have really a mix of mediums, right? Text, audio, video, maybe some live format stuff like webinars or group calls, all kinds of things. So do you? Yep. So do you really have to decide on this? And and well, the reason why I, I brought this up up front was simply that, like, you just realize you're probably making a lot of assumptions in your head mm-hmm. uh, about things, and and so just making a decision up front, like, oh, I am going to do this as a video course. Then now, when you're talking to people, you're not saying I'm making a course. Say I'm making a video course because it it just helps you get more specific and more clear on what you're doing. Yeah. And what you just said, for example, on the live stuff. That's a big deal, and that's an undertaking that that if you're going to do. Remember, in the last episode, Barrett talked through this webinar strategy of like actually putting some of your course material together. Um, doing one of those, it it takes work. Like you have to get ready for it. You have to then organize people to get there, and they have to sign on at the right time and do all this other stuff, right? So it's like a whole deal that you got to do. You know? Yeah. The uh, the very first course that I released was um, text only. It was basically I just. Took I, I essentially wrote like a long ebook and then turned it into different lessons and action items that people needed to follow. But it was all mm. written content in a um, in a WordPress theme that was fairly easy to follow. It was just a an off the shelf theme uh, that Woo Themes made. I think it was even free. And I just kind of adapted it and replaced some of the language where uh, this one was meant for sort of reading a book online. But I just changed the word chapter to lesson mm. and. Uh, and it suited pretty well. It, the course went on to do uh, maybe six figures in revenue, and um, the written format didn't hold me back. I didn't feel like nobody complained about it. I added some bonuses that were just audio interviews, basically, mm. and there was zero yeah. video in it. And um, I remember at the time, I didn't even really think video was an option, and I certainly wasn't capable of pulling it off. And so you kind of roll with what you have. I think. You could make a fairly compelling course out of mostly audio, even, yeah, um, and just you know some written bits to kind of tie everything together. And a lot of courses that you'll find out there were actually going to be mostly audio with maybe a video channel that's kind of a slideshow, mm-hmm. you know, of of like a keynote presentation or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one just being simple up front, like just decide on which medium you're going to do. Know that video is going to basically quadruple the amount of work that you have to do. Audio to me is the easiest, just just because, especially if you don't have to edit it, you can just kind of record it. Use GarageBand or some of these free applications, and people can get the inflection of your voice without you having to worry about what your hair looks like and if you're in focus and all this other stuff. And then you got to edit the video because you you know all it. The video really makes it challenging, but but 
I mean, it's doable. And in some ways, I take for granted the fact that that I kind of come from this this background of being able to do it. A lot of people are trying to do this, and they find it kind of difficult. But I would encourage you that even if it doesn't look like uh, that's why I that's why I poo poo the technicality stuff up front because it's like well, a lot of people who don't know how to do the video like at at level you know level nine and above really want to do that and i'm trying to get them to realize no put out a video at like level four with with content that's at level nine and you're going to be fine so get a webcam and and do some simple you know iMovie edits and you're going to be great yeah in comparison to, to to waiting seven years till you feel like you're confident enough to have a great looking shot yeah you know and and uh you know i think in the last episode we talked a lot about um ways to just get your thing out there instead of trying to make it perfect to begin with. And yeah. one of the ways to just get it out there is maybe just to release it as audio to begin with um, or written content to begin with and then later turn those into videos. And the cool thing is if you if you write out the lessons, then that essentially becomes a script that you could turn into a video. So for yeah. your first time out, you could just aim to have the welcome um, page have a video on it. You know, just yep. a few minutes of you off the cuff telling people why you think the course is important and then the rest uh, written and then just evolve it over time. Okay, but piggybacking on that, let's go to the next one, uh, which is start with your sales page. Okay, the, we mentioned this before. What, what are the three things that they're going to walk away from this course knowing how to do? Come, like just write that down up front. Now you can, you can kind of add, take some of these bits and pieces that you're going to have on your sales page, your headline, some description, uh, maybe some bullet points, those, those three takeaways, the things that they're going to know how to do at the end of this. Because if you begin with the end in mind, if you can have that sales page written before you even start the course, you can always go back and change some of those things later on. But now you have, it's almost like you've given yourself, it's so great when you can realize this is what I'm selling, this is how much I'm selling it for, this is what you're going to get from it. And then you just fulfill those promises. Yeah, exactly. That is, that versus like, what can I make? Well, I could do this, that, and the other, and yada, 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 and here's how I thought about this, and yada, yada, and you make a bunch of stuff, and then you try to put a sales page on it, and you're like, I don't really know, it's like a lot of stuff, you know, and there's like, I cover a lot of good stuff, and it's really good, and I'm confident in it, but I don't really know how to talk about it. Yeah. This kind of alleviates that. And, and we have an example of, of, of a sales page that we use for one of our courses that I'll put in the show notes uh, for our shareable images course. Nice. Yeah. And um, just another couple of points on that. So w- one thing to think about is that um, learning isn't always a compelling sales point to say yeah. you will learn this. It can be. It kind of depends on you know who you're talking to. But a lot of times you might say, I'm going to teach you the ins and outs of blank. And then you need a lot of sub bullets to support what am I going to be able to do with that knowledge or what yeah. will I have accomplished by the end of this course, more importantly, and yeah. just think about making it as action oriented as you can. And that is that comes directly from understanding who your audience is, what they want, what their goals are, what they're actually trying to get, right? What they're actually you might have a course on making a website. And they don't know, they, they don't know what they're really at. They're act, they'll say like, well, I'm trying to make a website. But what you get to say is like, at the end of this course, you're going to have your website up, which means we're going to have figured out the headline for your website. We're going to have bought a domain, a, a domain name and hooked that up with a hosting provider. We're going to have, so these are these sub bullets that make it concrete in their head. These things that they may or may not know that they have to do, but they get to get the sense that like, oh, good. So there's all this stuff I might not know how to do, but you're going to walk me through 
through every step of it, exactly. right? That is when an idea an, starts to take root in my head. A vision starts to happen of me as the person with a website who's a total badass, and I feel great about it. You know, that's what you're trying to make on your sales pages. Give them that vision, and then your course make them that bi- that badass. Make that vision come to life. Gosh, this is like some Tony Robbins stuff, man. <laughs> um, moving on, uh, Barrett, you got anything to add over there? Nope, crushing it. Okay. <laughs> Um, create a course plan. All right. So these are these high level ideas about the course, what the goals are, the users that it's for, etc. Now we have an actual planning document that I've, I've made available for you guys in the show notes, uh, with, it just is a blank sort of outline with a handful of pre-populated questions. Who's this for? What are the things they're going to get when they walk away from this? You know, what, uh, what, what's the headline for the sales page? A handful of the things that we've already been talking about. So this is just pulling all of that into one document that we, that's how we do it here at Fizzle. It's sort of a work in progress. Some some courses we use it, some courses we don't. Some courses I add a bunch more things to it, just depending on the topic that we're talking about and depending on, frankly, what we're learning. Our process is always developing. So um, so on that one, it, it really, there isn't a hell of a lot to say beyond what we've already said. Yeah. And it's just that, what's that? Well, and um, we find it useful internally to fill it out because it helps us think about it. But then it's also useful to present to everybody else on the team to say, hey, here's what my course is going to be. And that we get a ton of feedback on that, right? Yep. Yeah. To me, this is a really big deal. Um, and I don't even think I have this, this in here to, I, I, similar to the post that I just published, uh, on last week on the, on the spark line. Um, this idea or this week, rather this idea of, of, uh, How do you plan for uh, how much time a project's going to take? Well, the research on this shows that we have this inner view on it that oftentimes isn't, uh, isn't interacting with reality very much at all. And then there's this outer view, like so someone else coming in and telling you how much, or if you look at the template of a project or how long a a similar project took before, because naturally you're going to say, oh, I need to write a blog post. Well, it'll probably take me a couple hours, right? But if you have kept good time records, you'll realize when you look back, oh my gosh, it took me eight hours to write the last blog post and seven hours to write the one before it. That's an outside view on how long this is going to take. But an inside view is like, yeah, it'll probably take me a couple hours. Right. Right? Because we're over-optimistic. It's called the planning fallacy. Um, but, uh, and if you want to learn about more of that, you can go to the fizzle.co slash sparkline and uh, and you can read about uh, it in the post. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, similarly, with this course plan document, now you have something to talk about with someone and it gets into that outer view on what this course is. If you just talk to someone, like for, for instance, someone who, who's made websites before, uh, or who a business owner, say your course is, I'm going to teach you how to make a website. And you talk to someone who has a website now, right? And it was a process for them to get it all up and running. Hey, what was it like getting your website up? What do you wish you would have known differently? What do you wish you would have known better? Sometimes just those conversations can be so helpful to let you see how much you can bring to to their journey of creating a website. Oh man, I wish I would have had this. Now I've I've got to make sure that that's in my course, etc. Mm-hmm. But then when you have someone on your team or in your mastermind group or an accountability partner that you can kind of talk through your thing with, even if they don't know about what you're talking about, they're going to be able to get an, a sense for whether you know what you're talking about or not. And it's that confidence that you have that can in, can grow so much when you're talking through this with someone, I think. That's you know? right. I think it's huge for why a course plan is important. I agree with Corbett. And it's a concept Ed Catmull, the uh, president of Pixar, talked about in Creativity Inc., which is a great book. Um, but they do roundtable presentations of 
their movies that they're creating at each stage um, of development. So you'll have a director come into a room and only other directors are allowed to be there and comment on the film because they're the other people kind of in the arena who know what it's like to make a, a movie. And so those are the other people who get to say, I think you're missing part of the story here. It seems like you're not yet clear on what this character is doing. Uh, this character over here is not developed enough. It seems like you need to go back to the drawing board there. And so they have these great kind of mastermind group type sessions where they help the film get better at every stage of the process. And then as it comes to life, they'll show um, early screenings of it before it's really fully developed so that they can insert that feedback along the way and not just make all these assumptions that mm. aren't actually valid. Now, probably some of you out there are listening and going like, yeah, I'm not going to talk through this stuff with people. I got a pretty good handle on it. That's fine. You can make, you can do, make your own decisions. But I will say your from our experience, yeah, it's like you can dig your own grave. It, it will save you so much time and energy on the back end. That's why I have this content strategy stuff play such a big role in these podcast episodes because to me, there's work on the front end that saves you an immense amount of work on the back end. If you get into your course and you're so hungry to just start filming that you just start filming and you put it together and you throw your thing together and you know that once you get on camera, then you're going to be able to yada, yada, yada. And then you're in editing and you're like, ooh, gosh, I don't really know. But you kind of do it anyways and you get sort of, and then you put it out there and you launch it and people are like, oh, okay, yeah, it's pretty good. Man, there's nothing, like you could have made it, you could have made it really solid. You could have made it actually do a thing if you spent some time up front getting really, really concrete inside yourself about what this thing's supposed to do instead of just, I wanted to make this thing. I wanted to fiddle with the thing. I wanted to make the stuff, you know? Yep. So that's why talking about it can be so valuable. And the course plan can help you do that. Again, we've got a planning document that I'll put in the show notes, which you'll be able to find. I think this is episode 110 Woo! at fizzleshow.co slash 110. Is that guys. possible? It's like, it's more than three digits now. Well, it's three digits, but two of them are ones. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Number 22, uh, I use small post-it notes uh, on a desk or like a piece of paper or index cards to organize the flow of, of the course. Now, what this comes from is in the screenwriting world, you use, uh, there's a popular uh, practice of using note cards, index cards, to sort of, Give, get a handle on what's on a scene. So an individual scene happens on a note card, but then you organize these note cards to make the movie into three acts, right? And there has to be a very special note card at the end of act one, at the beginning of act two, at the end of act two, at the beginning of act three, you know what I mean? And there's all these moments that need to happen, the inciting incident and this, that, and the other. Well, similarly in a course, you can kind of think about it in the same way in that you have things to teach and you might want to, well, this is what I do, for example, is I just start taking these little yellow post-it notes and I just start every idea that I have of things that I want to teach, whether I think it'll be a full lesson or just a part of a lesson, I just start making notes on them and putting them down on the desk, putting them down on the desk, just spread, spreading them out all over me, right? All over my body. They're on my body. They're on the desk. They're on the walls. My son's walking around. He's got a few on him. They're just everywhere I am. Then th this is coming from, you know, the, the whatever, some bunch of stuff that I read about 
brainstorming. There's two modes. One of them is just like there is no editing mode. You just you just kind of get it all out. There's no bad ideas, right? Then we get into editing mode. We collect all those things. We start organizing them. We throw away the ones that are clearly crap or we put them in a pile. We start, maybe these two can go together and they can be in the same lesson. Oh, look, that would fit really well after that one. That definitely needs to happen in that order. So this is a great sort of tactile way for me to organize how I think about what's going to be in the course. That's been a huge deal for me. Now, Corbett, you probably think more better in terms of just an outline and a text document is what I imagine. Yeah, or Trello actually could be good for this. Yes, Trello could be really great. Trello.com, T-R-E-L-L-O, because it it is sort of a visual representation of all these little cards and you can maybe maybe a lesson is a column and you, or or maybe who knows just an idea is a column i don't know you can set up trello however you want yep. but that visual spatial kind of thing to me you have different ideas when i'm when i'm writing at the whiteboard with a big thick wet marker you know what i mean versus when i have like a little tiny uh fine pen and my, my little like moleskine notebook or whatever versus like my blinking cursor uh on on a google Google Doc or something like that. I, I'm in different headspaces there. So I like to get into that really creative, let's just make a mess, let's be in the physical world, and then organize this stuff later on. I like doing that a lot. And it ha- happens, it helps because like, for instance, when you get, when you get it, if you do it on index cards, one of the things that screenwriters do is um, every, every index card has to push the story further, either in a negative direction or in a positive direction, either needs to get sadder or happier. Right. And so they kind of have this little uh, this little nomenclature for for uh, whether or not this scene is taking it that way or the other way. You can totally create your own framework for this kind of thing. So so I I, I won't get into that. It's something that really I geek out about thinking about, like, for instance, on a script in a movie, if by page five, one of the supporting characters haven't hasn't told the main character what the point of the movie is, then then a lot of studios just won't pick up the movie for better or for worse. I mean, that might not be a bad, that might be a terrible practice, but it's some of these things that screenwriters have, have gotten used to doing that people are expecting in movies that like gives this flow of learning and things like that throughout the movie. That's why I'm so interested in screenwriting, by the way, I read like too many books on it, but because we're teaching this stuff and there's this process for it. So for me, getting all the ideas down on index cards and in physical world or Trello or however you, you, you mean to do it. That's the beginning of organizing the flow of this content. Mm-hmm. And I like to, um, try to give my courses some sort of a backbone, um, or a, a framework, not in the screenwriting sense, but more just in how I'm going to organize the information. The three act structure, you know, works for plays, obviously. Yep. Um, within a course, I like to think of it in terms of uh, what am I going to teach people? How long is this going to take? What are the major phases of learning or doing they need to go through? And um, for example, the Start a Blog That Matters course, um, as I broke that down, it really seemed like a good backbone for that was a 13 week structure, basically 90 days yeah. to get to your, you know, um, to your blog. And, um, and that worked well for me. And then you can start breaking it down. What should go in week one? What should go in week two? And it just gives you a place to start putting all of the different lessons into. For traffic school, that was more of a, a three-phase thing where I had these concepts of foundation, content, and promotion. And then within each one of those modules, I had a series of lessons. So, you know, just kind of think about how does it make sense? What's the big thing that I'm trying to teach people? What are the smaller bullet points? 
and how should I break those down? And then you can kind of start filling the buckets with physical note cards or however you like to do it. Totally. Um, one of the things, one of the tricks that I've learned is, um, first of all, if you're not collecting quotes that, that you love, like either at a blog, you could start up a Tumblr or something like that, some free place or in, in, in Evernote or something. And then, then, then you, you could be leaving money on the table because a lot of the times it's really strong in a presentation or in a course when you sort of build up to a quote. Because people treat quote kind of like people treat data. If you put a quote from someone up there, it doesn't matter who it is most of the time. But if you put a quote up there, all of a sudden they're, they're paying attention to that quote differently. Mm-hmm. And if you build up to it well, then you land the quote. They're going to be like, this guy's really smart. He knows what he's talking about. You know, it, it's, it's just some sort of a thing that we're used to seeing. Um, so f- capturing quotes, figuring out th- th- those kinds of quotes. Or can go on these little index cards. Oh yeah, let's talk about this quote Th- there. Okay, perfect. Then we can. What about a bull- a couple bullet points or or the idea of of then a very special class for me are the worksheets. Okay, so this let's go into the to the next one number twenty three. Make your worksheets first. Now this sort of necessitates that you know where what worksheets you're going to make. Hopefully that kind of falls out from the note cards that are all over the place that you eventually and have you'll see in the stuff. in the course plan document that there's a, a place for you to be thinking about worksheets yep exactly so worksheets is something that we've found like one of the things that we we feel like we know is that the, the learning actually happens in in the doing of the stuff so when for instance in in fizzle we have this thing called the business sketch template it's instead of like a big long uh business plan. It's just this one page sketch of what your business could be. The idea is you could make several of these in a few minutes, right? You could, you could, it probably takes you five minutes to, to sketch out one of these, one of these ideas. And it, and it asks you a handful of powerful questions and a handful of boxes that makes it pretty easy for you to flesh out maybe some of the blind spots you weren't really thinking about in this business and forces you to actually explain some things. That is a worksheet where the work is actually happening. Right. Me explaining to you what I just said right there. You didn't learn anything. You, your business made zero progress. Right. But if you sit down with this worksheet, you will absolutely make progress, whether in the sense that you, you are able to communicate yourself clearly and get some feedback on it in the fizzle forums or in the sense that you're like, I have no idea how to answer any of these questions. Maybe it's time I go back to the choosing a topic or defining your audience course to figure out how the hell I'm going to, I'm going to add some things to what this business actually is. Yeah. Now, um, I don't think that you have to include physical worksheets or, you know, PDF worksheets or whatever necessarily. It kind of depends on the nature of the course. Um, I've had a lot of luck just including action items within a yeah. lesson to say, you know, here's the instructional content. And then after that, here are the three things that you need to do to, you know, uh, to take action or to cement this knowledge before moving on to the next lesson. Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on. Every course is going to be different. For us, a lot of the times it's, it's, um, so for instance, the roadmap conversations. It, we're making uh, the roadmap within Fizzle. There's, there's now, uh, the ability in some of our lessons to, to just kind of, okay, did you reach out to, like, what's, what's one a- action item from that? Do you remember one? Uh, well, uh, like make uh, a list of people in your industry that you would like to get in contact with. 
So we don't need to create a worksheet for that. We just explain that in the video, explain it in the text, and then have a little check mark at the bottom of the lesson, mm-hmm. right? So that's a perfect example of the difference between an action item that you simply check off, almost like a checklist, versus an actual worksheet where we explain that and then have you write the list of people right there. You can write your list wherever you want to put it. Right. So, so the, the truth is the, the, the secret is not in a worksheet per se. It's a great point, Corbett. It's in what are the actions that you're trying to get these people to take? And I find that for myself as the creator, it really helps me to make those worksheets and action items first. So for a lot of my courses, they'll focus on like, we'll, like every, at the end of every lesson, normally there's a worksheet because that, that, that I'm in this headspace that's like, if there's not a worksheet, are we sure that this lesson needs to be there? Like the lesson, video lesson sets up what you're going to do in the worksheet because the worksheet is then, all right, so who are the leaders in my space? Okay, so how do I find them? Oh, good, look at that. It's right here in the worksheet. Okay, so now which ones are interesting to me? Now you have stuff that you're actually learning about your industry versus hearing some crazy person like me talking about how business works or something, you know? Yep. So, uh, but I, I, I do want to really put a nail in that thing that, that like your worksheets and your action items, the action that your users take when they, when they are going through this course, those are the gold of this thing. Your fancy words and your spirit. And this is, I'm talking to myself here, right? Cause I love to hear my own voice. And I've been looking through some of my old courses going like, I really wish I got to the point, <laughs> even though maybe there are some people who are getting more, who understand the concepts more because I was expressing more about it. But, but that, that, that worksheet for me, it totally gets me down to the brass tacks mm-hmm. of what's actually going on. Yep. Okay. Going on to the next one, uh, which I kind of mentioned earlier, simply this use quotes from known leaders, uh, whether in your industry or not. These aren't like necessarily, like, don't, I'm not talking about like the woo woo kind of quotes about like, you know, we can all do anything if we, if we put our mind to it and achieve it. And if we all have good parents and if we come from the right families and if we eat our vegetables and our Kellogg's cereal so that we don't have uh, diseases when we grow up. Like those quotes aren't very helpful <laughs> for anything. Um, you know, we've all seen that quote, right? I think I got, that was stuck in my head from some, TED Talk, you know, is a verbatim quote, I think. Um, but like getting those strong quotes, like I've mentioned before, they they really do. You 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 need to realize you're not making you're not reinventing the wheel here, and you can leverage other other experts' social capital and the work that they've done way better than you could ever do a lifetime of work. Uh, and, simply by including their material in your course by saying like, this is how Mark Twain sees it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. Well, and it's really that balance between um, hard data and action steps and your own opinions and anecdotes and stories of, you know, people that you've heard and what other experts have been quoted on saying it's, it's, there are just different devices that you can use to influence your students. And yep, it, it gets monotonous when you're just using data all the time. Or on the other hand, if you're just using quotes, it feels a little fluffy. So you know, it's a it's a good sort of point counterpoint kind of thing. Yeah, and we we get into more of this in the um, the how to tell your elevator pitch, how to how to put together your elevator pitch course in Fizzle. That Corbin and I, that was our first course we ever did live, actually, and. Um, that was just this sense of like sprinkling in the hard data and or quotes in your storytelling, in your courses. This is just like, it's almost like when you're making a film, it's like B-roll. It's just like, it's a break from my mind almost. Yeah. Like I, I know what to do. It's there, a montage. You know? It's a montage, bro. And all of a sudden Rocky's training in the wilderness. Oh man, he's punching a side of beef. <laughs> <laughs> Barrett, are you okay over there? 
I'm alive. Hey, Barrett, are you familiar <laughs> with this uh, series of movies called Rocky? <laughs> I am. I've heard of that. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. Man, that was scared me. I didn't know you ever heard Rocky Man. That was even bad. That blow my mind. You never heard Rocky Man. <laughs> I'd be real. I would be real sad, man. Maybe even a little mad too. Man, we got uh, Rocky down here in South now. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so this twenty number twenty five is is this for a lot of these are from me. I'm a silly guy. I'm very particular about how so I do silly. things. I'm super silly and. Uh, so number 25 for me is is create your own lesson template, all right? This is getting to that screenwriter's trick of in a, in a script, all right? A script is about this many pages. The act one is about this this many pages. Act two is this many. They have like these little, they're, they're, they're really, really functional. If you look on the web, some of, when I did some research on, on our industry, some of the most popular blog posts in our industry are from guys like Derek Halpern or uh, Michael Hyatt, and they're about the anatomy of the perfect blog post, okay? So it's a sort of format or template for what a blog post can look like. What if you started up here with the beginning of a story? Then you went into a little bit of research. Then at the end, you pull back the story and reveal the big aha moment of how I can uh, how how I can apply this to my life. Right? This is a is common thing in journalism and screenwriting and and all of the things out there. Right? So getting a simple template for yourself might be helpful. Where you can say, for example, for each lesson, I have five uh, five of these little yellow uh, post-it notes. Uh, the first one is going to be an intro story. The second one is going to be a quote the third one is going to be a piece of research and so now all you're doing is you're connecting between those things and that makes it pretty easy when you know like oh you know what i need a quote for this one or i need a piece of data or i need a this that and the other now you don't have to be religious about this all i'm saying is you've got all of these colors that you can pick from and maybe you can have a lesson template that you create for yourself to know like okay that each one of them is going to be about five minutes so people can get in and take and download the worksheet and get out and do the homework so so in some ways, you can create your own template this way. And you might not be foo-foo weirdo like me, but this is how I do it. Does that make sense? Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, this is, I, have, I get the feeling this isn't something that, that you do, Corbett. No, and I'm uh, really guilty of uh, having fairly monotone lessons sometimes, I think. And this, is, this, is a, um, this is an important thing for people like me who tend to just think about the information, and I just need to get the information out. Um, Again, there are all these different devices that you can use to interrupt people's patterns and to get them to pay attention to things that you're saying by including, you know, a different sort of format and and by creating this, I don't know what you called it, lesson structure. Um, mm-hmm. It helps you not to have to reinvent the wheel every time, and it's okay if the the pattern of your lessons is similar. You know, I've got a visual, I've got a quote, I've got a, an extra video clip here, I've got an anecdote. That's fine. Um, because at least you're kind of spicing it up and making it, it interesting for people. You'd be surprised how boring it can be just to have one five minute lesson of a talking head, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, in some ways, I geek out about this stuff because I'm I'm just so in love with being able to communicate an idea. You know, to be able to try to get something from my head and heart into someone else's head and heart, uh, with not not forcefully. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not like by actually jabbing something into their chest. Um, so. 
So, the, and, and another thing to think about is your course can have a kind of a, of a narrative arc to it, right? So if you look at any documentary, uh, documentaries, it's really easy to see. Movies, it's harder to see because you're so into the story. But in a doc- documentary, if you just like had a stopwatch and a clipboard and you said like, okay, what's happened? What's happening right now? Stop the movie. Okay. I guess they're showing me some cityscapes. So we got B roll and a voiceover and it's setting up what? Like the, I guess the, 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 the problem, right? And then we go into a specific story of a specific person on the problem. And then from that, we zoom out and we go to a different story. And now we're looking at like some talking about some, you know, researchers doing some tests on something or other, right? So if you wrote down four, you know, how, how four documentaries have put it together, you'd be like, well, this is weird. I'm seeing some similarities here. And so it doesn't have to be just for one lesson. It could be for your whole course. You could start off the course with this very aspirational individual story. And then the next lesson is uh, getting into uh, some of the hard data behind the things. And then the next lesson is, you know, going on some going to someplace completely different. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can bring people on a journey into actually having their lives changed by this information. Don't get me wrong. You could also just sit there and monotone it and the right people are still going to get everything out of it. And it's going to still put the tools in their hand, right? So there's this tension between being boring and su- having all the information and being super exciting and not having any information. And this is something that we get feedback on in Fizzle. So just know that you're going to be dancing in this world too. Okay. And then, you know, be yourself in that. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Uh, I think you're thinking of... Uh, I've been kissed by the no, rose I wasn't. on the grave. No, I wasn't. I was not. Oh, sorry. Um, okay, so number 26. Now it's time to write your script, okay? Now this, this you can do it any way you want. All right, you could write it out word for word, or you can do just like a, an outline of the basic points, or you could actually work from those index cards or something. All right, uh, it's totally up to you how you do it. So sometimes uh, I have two examples here in the in the show notes that I'll that I'll uh, make available to you. Sometimes it's very for me it's very scripted and and, and it's like it, every individual point is 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 totally written out, and some other times it's just like a general outline depending on how. How, how important I feel it is that, that I get to the very specifics uh, on these things, right? So when you're writing your script, you can do it any way you want. Depending on how you're delivering your, uh, your course, you might be, uh, yeah, I don't know, just, just with a, with a uh, keynote and you're doing your voice, like a lot of courses are. Well, then it's really easy. Just to, You don't really need much of a, of a script because your keynote is your script. You know what I mean? So, Corbett, what have you done in the past on this? Uh... I don't know. I mean, you, you've done like keynoted ones before, right? Like where you just like kind of talking over a presentation. Yeah, I have. I guess, um, and and this is this is back to my whole uh, issue with sometimes doing long monotone lessons. When you keynote something, it's kind of easy to put together an hour long presentation, like maybe as if you're giving a webinar or something. Yeah. Um, and if it's not interactive and you're not answering questions for people directly, I think it can kind of drag on a little bit. You could break it up, obviously. Um, a keynote is a great way to kind of organize your thoughts, and you can use nothing more than QuickTime if you're on a Mac to record it. So it's really simple, right? You don't have to set up a video camera or anything like that. Um, yeah. In fact, I've seen you uh, had some videos on YouTube where you're showing people how to do something, and it's just like a little, there's a little corner a video image of you in the bottom yeah. left or right. Yeah, using ScreenFlow. ScreenFlow, like you, yeah. You and and um, 
So it can make it nice and easy. And I guess um, it's just a, it's probably an easier way to get started with video because at least a keynote is video. You know, you're changing slides and stuff and you could add animations and all that kind of stuff without you having to really worry necessarily about being on camera and not having to worry about having everything perfectly scripted because you get to look at the keynote, um, which reminds you of all the different points that you need to make. Yeah. My one challenge on this one though is if you're going to do the keynote version of video, that's fine. And I think it's a great place to start, but treat it like you're keynoting a conference. And what I mean by that is take mm-hmm. the time to practice. Don't just show up to shoot your course right. and be running through your keynote the first time. Do it five or eight or 10 times ahead of time, just like a professional would when they're going to get up on stage. Uh, the secret to people who are great at public speaking is that they don't memorize their lines, but they have done their presentation enough to where they're super comfortable with improvising throughout but still following the structure of the talk. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to follow this method to say, okay, I'm going to put together a keynote presentation, number one, make it a damn good keynote presentation. Go read uh, presentations in design or something like that so that your slides don't suck. And then number two, practice so that it's actually good when you get up there and deliver it. Yep, I think you're you're bang on. Um, I'm going to skip around on my list here uh, a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, uh, and and make a few little minor incisions. You might feel some pressure. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, to that point, uh, and to your your point in the last episode about doing the webinar sort of path, right? To me, this doing a webinar or or a workshop, I've kind of included another one down here just in case people don't don't you know pick that whole path. They can realize that they can actually still do like a workshop or a webinar or just like a Google Hangout version of this, right? So number number uh, twenty seven for me is perform the course live if you can. Okay, so because the reason the reason being is for exactly what Barrett was just talking about. You're going to learn so much more about what this thing actually is when you get to get it into the world, right? And we've talked at length about that in the in the last episode. So let me just leave it there. Um, and then to to uh, the next point, 28, if you can't perform it live, then make a rough draft. This is exactly what Barrett just said. You got to practice. So the truth is, your first version of this po- of this this course is going to end up being uh, uh, what what Anne Lamott calls a shitty first draft, anyways, uh, because it'll get it'll get better over time. So just practice that first draft several times to to get it tighter and tighter and tighter when you get when you get used to the fact that you're going to be releasing like a, a just a, like a, just an okay like it's not as bad as it could be it's not as amazing as could as it could be draft of what you're what you're making then it's like oh okay everybody does that oh maybe i don't have to feel so bad about it that here's feels a, here's the key to this you have hmm. to record the drafts in the same yeah. way that like athletes if a baseball player records his swing so that he can look back at it and see from a third party view what he's doing wrong Great performers and great speakers do that. They record their drafts so that you can go back and view more objectively the mistakes you made or the ga- gaps that were there or where you didn't tell a story like you planned to or where you need a story or research tidbit or whatever. You can't see that when you're doing it. And even if you think you've heard the things you need to improve, I guarantee you'll hear 10 times more if you go back and listen or watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're you're bang on. This is something that I've made a part of my like sort of creative life for the past I guess 8 years or something is so for instance I I think very verbally I 
I, my wife and I are in therapy, and one of the things that comes out is, well, Chase can just say things whenever he feels like it because that's how he thinks. But my wife is very like she has she deliberates and she strategizes and she thinks about what are the consequences of each of these words that she could say. And I just I don't think unless I'm t- unless I'm talking, much to the chagrin of many of our podcast listeners, um, uh, according to the email <laughs> feedback. But but that's just I'm processing things. I'll say a lot of things that I realize five seconds later. Oh, that's not true at all. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I realized that when I record voice notes, because I process things out loud, then when I listen back to them, it's a completely different brain. It's like a whole different part of my brain that's engaged. And I'm able to say like, oh, wow. Yeah, you were totally blind to this. If you would have said that right there, that would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can just record an audio version of it as long as you do the work of listening back to it. Though I would totally recommend recording, editing, doing the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle as a rough draft so like in your jammies just get up do the camera thing start to do it hey guys this is welcome to the course and record the whole thing then edit the whole thing just as just quickly just rough roughly so you can see oh okay i know how this is going to work now and you know what then you can watch it back and, and make notes okay what would have been great here was to add a little that little quote there instead of at the end of the video because that would kind of break up this time a little bit I can't, I mean, it probably sounds like a waste of time to you, but I just did this recently on the po- post that came out earlier this week on the, uh, the video that is the five, uh, uh, ways, uh, elements <laughs> to make more, uh, more accurate project time estimates. I recorded a freaking 18 minute long thing where I tell these stories to try to get you understand like why we burn out and how sometimes it's just because we made some silly error. And I tell the story about my grandpa and golf and it's a great story, but the video was 18 minutes long. And it's like, I did a rough draft of it because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to say. So I edited it down and then I was like, you know what? This is, feels like two videos and it feels like I don't really know what I'm trying to say. And, but for some reason, I had to get in front of the camera and edit this whole thing down to figure that out. Then I was able to tighten it all up after the editing. It's just really helpful for me. Maybe it is for you too. All right. Anything to add there, guys? No, I think it's it all depends on kind of the raw materials that you're working with. We all operate in different ways and these you're going to have to learn which of these techniques helps you produce better material. And yeah. um, try some different things, you know? Yeah, and I think one of the things that's so hard for all of us is is the fact that this is just going to take you time. It's it's not it's it's going to be an investment in time, similar to that Brand, Brennan Dunn quote that we started last episode off with. I mean, this is an investment that could potentially just you know, if you don't have a lot of money to spend on the stock market, you can invest some time in this thing, and eventually, it's kind of giving you a return on it. So it's going to take time. So don't try to cut corners and rush it. Though I would, but though do keep yourself to a, uh, uh, I don't know, some sort of a timeline because this these things can stagnate like like no other, like no one's business. Okay, number twenty nine. Uh, nope, that's not true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, simplify this content after your rough draft. After you've been able to do it live, if you've been able to do that, simplify your content for some laser specific outcomes. Okay. This is back to that, uh, that whole, what are the three things we're walking away from this course with? Now that should be very, very clear. All right. Um, so in similar to like Corbett's starter blog that matters when he decided 13 weeks, 13 modules, let's try to make each module a week. 
and see what we can do there. That was a really, really important little trick that makes someone on a sales page understand exactly what they're getting, exactly how long it's going to take, exactly what they're going to walk away from this thing with. And that could be uh, something that you do yourself. You know, maybe choose a number that has a little less of the uh, supernatural associated with it. You know what I mean? But as we all know, Corbett's been dabbling in Wicca for the last uh, few months. And medium. So it's been good. <laughs> it's a medium and medium. Um, but the, the the whole idea is you've practiced this stuff now. You probably, if you can go through those practice sessions and, and watch them and pay attention, all you're doing is making that content tighter and better so that when everybody on the other side is going to get it, they're going to get it quicker and faster. You're going to have to deal with less customer support, less refunds, less that stuff, because you've done this work on the front end to to figure out exactly what what you're actually saying. All right, number 30. Now, everybody wants to talk about, if you're doing video or audio, they want to talk about what are the cameras that I should use and what is the audio, what are the microphones, how should I do this, and what's going on, okay? Everybody wants to talk about camera and audio stuff. So so number 30 is figure out if you need to buy things or what you're going to use for your camera and audio things if you're doing that, right? Um, here at Fizzle, we use a combination of a camera called the Panasonic GH2, a Canon 5D Mark III. We use uh, computers to record video, sometimes the Zoom H4n. We have shotgun mics and sometimes lapel mics. There's a lot of gear that we have floating around here because this is what we do. And and half of it is stuff that I that, that we all kind of like had ourselves beforehand anyways. Like the Panasonic GH2 is a great little like uh, small format camera body that takes great video and it only costs a few hundred bucks. So Yeah, and um, I guess the the big question that people usually have is like how do i how do i make my stuff look good and when they say look good um i think they're oftentimes looking for that blurred background effect bokeh yep they call yep. it um and i remember i i didn't know what that was you know when i before yeah. i started and I, I didn't know how to achieve it and i was wondering like what kind of camera do you have to have to make that happen you know yeah. so that's one of the things that people are looking for and then i think they have a lot of audio questions as well like what kind of microphone am I using? And um, really, you know, you don't have to have all that stuff. But if you want just basic, good sounding audio and, uh, you know, decent looking, somewhat blurred background, then you're going to need to buy more than just your iPhone, obviously. We have um, a couple of really good courses actually in Fizzle about video production, and it does take a little while to kind of explain things. Um, but Wistia also has a, a several good videos that are public where they show you how to get the most out of just recording with your iPhone to start with. You know, and um, I think, uh, oh, actually, Chase, you were about to say something here in this point about how the content matters much more than the production. Um, yeah. And I'll leave it to you on that. So, uh, thank you, thank you, Corporate What I like to get into is, uh, no, but the, the, like, like we've said a few times here, you could have the crappiest looking sounding thing in the world, but, uh, if the content is great enough, if, if people in the industry are talking about it, if, if people are like, you haven't done that, oh my God, you have to go do that right now. It's the best course on growth hacking there, there is, you know, then, then it doesn't matter what your thing looks like, right? But it can be hard to get noticed if you look like crap. So the example for me is there's a guy, a software engineer, technology guy called Patrick McKenzie, who is just so, he's like, he's like just so good he's so amazing at the way he thinks how how he's you know this high-powered uh you know all the big companies paying all the big money to come fix their 
whatever, you know, conversion and optimization. I don't know what he does, but I love listening to him. And it could be the crappiest mic setup. I've seen things on his on his site that are just like really, really terrible looking and terrible sounding. I've watched an hour and 40 minutes of that because it was just so compelling because he was using this, these, these examples that were like, yes, that's what I want to know how to do. Oh my gosh, yes, that's that was good too. Oh, okay, you know, so see how... It doesn't have to be your end-all and be-all to look and sound great, but it always helps. It, it, it does help. And you don't need much. I mean, you really could use just your iPhone, or you, you could use you know your MacBook uh, with a ScreenFlow, uh, which is a screen recording software that can record your camera at the same time as it records your screen, and then you can edit both of them later on. Something like that you can use, and it's really, really simple. Um, so we'll we'll kind of like let those considerations be in for you know not only for video stuff which we have two great courses on in Fizzle but in, in audio as well we have a advanced podcasting course with John Lee Dumas who uh, we also have a uh, in that there's like two hours of how I sweeten the audio for Fizzle stuff in there which if you geek out about audio we also um, we have a, a really great blog post that was fairly popular um, written by Thomas Frank called How to Produce High Quality Videos yeah. for Under a Thousand Dollars where he really walks you through step-by-step all the gear that you need um, and lighting and technique that he uses. And he really started from scratch just a couple of years ago, and he's making some really great-looking videos. So we should link to that as well. Yep, I will. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, listen, here's some things uh, that... uh, now, you've got this script, you've got a camera on and it's recording you, and you're like, oh my god, how am I going to deliver anything to this camera? <laughs> That's why I want you to do the rough draft, because it's very terrifying and hard. Um, so I've devo- we've developed a little bit of a memory technique here for delivering a script to camera. First of all, uh, most of the time when we're doing script stuff, we have things broken up into bullet points of about a sentence or, a, or two, two per sort of take, right? So... In one sentence, I've, I've got on the, uh, for example here, okay? So uh, here's an example from one of our scripts. We've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs here at Fizzle. We've seen some Fizzlers become massive successes and other Fizzlers totally burn out. And what works for those who succeed is this combination of aha moments from the training and conversations with motivated entrepreneurs, because you're not alone in this, plus this steady progress week after week. Here's how one Fizzler put it. Okay, so that's one bullet point. That's like a long, that's like a long thing to try to remember, right? But what I do is I put parts of that converse, of that, of that sentence on different things in my room. Okay. Now this is, I'm going to get a little, a little, a little hacky here because, uh, not everybody's going to, going to deal with it this way, but this is a really fun memory trick that, that's been super helpful for me. So normally when I'm recording, I've got a microphone hanging down over my head. I've got a camera looking at me, a light upper left and a screen to my left as well with the script on it. So I've got a screen here for, um, the uh here's i actually write this out and i'll put this in the in the show notes as well so for instance the first part is we worked with thousands of entrepreneurs here at fizzle um that's on the door in my room because that's where people will enter so like the door is now thousands of entrepreneurs and i'm moving left to right in my room here so if i forget a part of the script i can just kind of be aware of like okay from the door i move towards uh the camera lens here so we've seen some successes uh some become successes and others burn out well the camera lens is the some successes and then the camera body is like imagine that thing on fire that's uh, that's them burning out right 
So then uh, the whiteboard to my right, uh, the top left of it, I have all these little icons that I draw there for like, you know, copywriting and aha, little things like that. And so that represents the aha moments that Fizzlers get. Then the whiteboard on the right, uh, where there's a picture of my son and my wife and, and some friends and so, like a bunch of little knickknacks that I, that I have like sort of collected over the years, that represents the community and the conversation because you're not alone in this, right? Uh, and that's all balanced on the whiteboard. Uh, you know, the aha moments plus the, the, the community. Then finally, the desk that's sort of right near me or in front of me when I'm recording is the week after week because this is where I get my work done. So now it's not all of these script items. It's all these ideas that I'm representing from the door to the camera lens to the camera body to the icons on the whiteboard to the family on the whiteboard to my desk. And for some reason, the memory just I can get that. I can understand that. And I can kind of similar to what Barrett said earlier, I can improv my way through that. Now, this is a trick that would work on stage, too, if you could get there beforehand and kind of set things up around the room. But it's a really powerful uh, mental trick. If you want to read a book about it, you can uh, read Moonwalking with Einstein. So th- this is one technique, and this is this is uh, something that we use, I'd say, most frequently, where we're just delivering one or two or three sentences at a time. And we literally mm-hmm. script them out, and then we deliver them pretty much as we wrote them. Um, yeah. maybe a little bit of embellishment or whatever, but there are a couple of other ways to do it as well. And again, this is one of those things where your people are going to have to figure out what works best for them. Some, some, I've seen some very experienced entrepreneurs sit behind a camera and for the life of them, they couldn't get three sentences out. They just couldn't remember yeah. in front of camera. And sometimes yeah. that's how it is. So you have other options. One is, um, you could, uh, shorten things up dramatically to where you're really just delivering a sentence at a time becomes more of a challenge to edit, obviously, if it's not a complete thought. Um, another thing is you could use a teleprompter. Some people do that. There are, you know, inexpensive iPad based teleprompters where you set up a thing behind your, um, camera lens and the words are literally going across the screen, just like you would see on a newscast. And you can get one of those devices. I actually have one. Um, and it wasn't very natural for me to use, but, uh, you can get one for a hundred dollars or something. Um, yeah. another technique is you could just have the bullet points of the really high level ideas that you want to get out. And between takes, um, you basically read a bullet point and then deliver it pretty much extemporaneously to camera. And sometimes that's easier than trying to remember specific sentences. It doesn't always come out as crisp. Um, but a lot of times that's just a better way to get the point across. And sometimes you're more emphatic and more believable because you're saying it as you're thinking it, and it just comes across less like you're trying to act the uh, the sentences out. Totally. Another thing you could do is you could literally have like the do the. Uh, I mean, think about all of the late night comedy hosts, right? They've got index cards where they've <laughs> right. got the questions on it, right? That's true. You can use those things in your. We've done a, a course in Fizzle Corbett. Remember when you had your computer up there? Yep. And it is a little bit distracting, like kind of sitting halfway at the computer, where it's almost like having index cards would be less less uh, less distracting probably yeah right yep. because i know that i i know just because i know you that you're not looking at the script on the computer you're like facebooking friends and stuff yep. um but <laughs> hey girl but you what you do doing <laughs> totally now another thing to remember here is we're able to do these sort of bullet point 
sort of land the sentence because we're cutting and editing uh, our video the way that it works. So if you go to our, our website, you'll see any of our videos. We have these smash cuts between things. And I like that because that's a secret to like that. Now I'm interested. It takes like 20 of those cuts for me to start to get bored with them. Whereas it takes about 15 seconds of you standing still in front of the camera for me to get bored with you. Right. So, so oftentimes just the edit itself has been, has been kind of a trick for us to keep, keep it interesting. That's why we write our scripts like that. Okay. So the last one before we get into the sort of tech and tools bit here is, is this, uh, Come up with some launch ideas. Plan your thing. We have a whole course on this within Fizzle on launching stuff. So I kind of want to leave it, leave it at that. But, but the point here is twofold. Okay. Number one, you don't want to squander your launch because it is, it's, it's a nice moment. It's a moment that you're potentially could get, could get more attention than you ever will uh, again. But number two, remember, like we've said before in these, in this series here, your course over time is going to be always way more valuable, like, in the long haul than it will be on that first week. Yeah. Right. You're always going to make money later on from it more. If you, if you add it all up, then you will in that, in that launch week. So make a great course more than make a great launch of a course, but it's important stuff. And like I said, we have a whole uh, course on that within fizzle uh, that you can sign up for a buck and check it out. Uh, Cause it is, there's a lot to get into anything else to add on the launch stuff. Guys? Yeah. I just, I just want to mention um, that, People are probably listening to this and thinking, okay, the steps are I need to uh, you know, define an audience, come up with an idea for a course, workshop the material, build the course, record all the videos, package everything, announce the launch, um, you know, launch the course, and then hope that sales roll in and just kind of follow this. Everything needs to be finished before I launch the course kind of pattern. But that's mm. not the case at all. And so you know, when, when I mentioned in my notes um, for this lesson, launch ideas, I didn't necessarily mean ideas for launching in that traditional sense, but also that this there are all kinds of ways that you can get a course out. And sometimes engineering the launch process or the um, sequence of events that are going to happen for yourself and to motivate yourself to actually get the work done is more important than not squandering your launch or trying to make sure that it, you know, sells a, a million copies because a lot of people uh, start working on a course and they just get waylaid on a million different things and they never get it out there. So some of the ideas that I had around launching involved things like pre-selling your course, um, you know, before long before it's done. Uh, you could sell. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode. You could sell individual workshops and then turn those into a course. You could offer some sort of initial discount on your course. Um, to spur more sales, you could record a lot of the parts live after you've sold it. And the idea here is to kind of force yourself to have skin in the game because once you pre-sell um, or once you set a date to record some things live, then you have people there that are waiting for you to show up. And so it goes from, oh, I'm going to spend like, you know, a couple of months and it turns into like six months working on this course because you don't have any skin in the game. There's nobody waiting for you to put this thing out into, oh, you know, I've got 10 people who are signed up for this thing next week. I guess I have to do it. Yeah. yeah and I you, will say, yeah, I think people take a long time too when they're not clear on what they're trying to create. And I think we've gone over a lot of steps that's necessary to get clear on what you're trying to create and have an outline for it. Um, and I'll, I'll just say that there's a lot of research to say that saying goals out loud publicly is actually not a great way to get them done. And so 
you know, do what's right for you, but do something to make you accountable to getting this thing out there. Because we've seen entrepreneur after entrepreneur wait and wait and wait, and then a year goes by and their course is still not out. And you don't need to do that regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't tell, we're very keen on this idea of you just getting to work on this thing. And the best thing that when I get to see someone who actually does like a, a Google Hangout on this first, then pre-sells a webinar on this thing, then from that does like, uh, or maybe has a live workshop uh, in their hometown in, in the middle of there, right? Then, then they turn it into a course. When I see someone do that, what they've done is they've just built momentum. And when that momentum gets going around an idea, when you see the faces of the people who you're impacting when you're giving them this information, when you see, when you're getting those questions back, that are clarifying like oh hey you said this what did you mean by that and you know now how to express that in a way that you don't get those questions anymore in the future you just get better and better and better all because you started at this really simple mvp of like hey let's if you if you can let's get let's jump on google hangout at this time and we'll talk i want to share this stuff with you right it's fascinating um okay so quickly let's go through the the tech and tools, because we're running a little long here, but um, these are sort of the the brass tacks of of sort of where to put this stuff and and stuff that that maybe is is a little less central for you right now, but it will become central later on. So Barrett, why don't you run uh, on this one thirty three? Cool. So uh, thirty three is find a self hosting option if that's the way you want to go. The next one will be about platform options, which is putting your course on someone else's platform. But for now, let's talk about putting it on your own website. One of our favorites, we got a ton of friends over there, is called Gumroad. Uh, it's basically a way to sell a package of files. People like Nathan Berry and many others have used Gumroad effectively. And I think we've got over at least 30 fizzlers that I could find just top of the head on Gumroad today using it. And we'll write a post on that soon on how they're using it. But basically the way Gumroad works is you create a, a package of files that's deliverable via uh, digital download, and then you can embed that product onto your website in a variety of ways, um, either through just linking to it in a button or doing a little modal that, that they give you the opportunity to create, which is basically a little pop-up screen on top of your website. So Gumroad's great, very usable, great people over there, um, good model where they make money when you make money. Another one I learned about today is called Use Fedora or it's called Fedora, and their website is usefedora.com. Um, they've got a variety of plans, starting with a free plan where you pay per transaction. Um, then if you want to host your course on your own domain, uh, they have a basic plan that's a monthly cost. So you can check that out for their pricing and features and everything. And then a third one is Zippy Courses. This is from Derek Halpern and his whole Social Triggers brand. And uh, it's basically a WordPress plugin. So he's kind of building on the thesis learning that he had when he was helping thesis grow. And he's developed this plugin that you pay for uh, on an annual basis technically, but you don't have to renew your subscription to keep the plugin. So that might be a good option for you as well. Nice. Um, so the, the, the idea there is there's a lot of things that you can do out there uh, to, to make your course available to people. This next one, using platforms like Udemy or Academy of Mine or Pathrite. These are sort of like collections of courses that people are buying from. Uh, there's also uh, like Skillshare, Skillshare and 
And uh, what else? There's, there's a handful of other ones. What's the one that's like Craftsy? Is it Craftsy for the craft stuff? Some of these you can just upload your thing like Udemy and others of them you have to be like invited and all this other stuff. The point of those is you get to leverage an existing platform where people already know about Udemy. They're coming in to say, I want to learn about making a website. And now you're competing with a handful of other people for whether they buy your course or somebody else's course, right? So um, so I'll leave it at that. I'll put links to all of those, in both the, all the self-hosting things that Barrett mentioned and then the Udemy, Academy of Mind, et cetera, in the post. This next one here, now, Corbett, you of all of us has, have the most uh, experience with this. The idea is, like, should you set up an affiliate program or not? Now, what's your, what's your, what, what, how would you take someone through that question, Corbett, if they were asking you now? So an affiliate program is just a way for you to reward people for, um, referring customers to your course. And, um, there are built, there are platforms with built in affiliate, uh, programs. And, um, that's probably the easiest way to go. In fact, I believe even Udemy has, um, an affiliate option built in. But so if you want to do an affiliate program yourself, um, it's tricky. There are WordPress plugins out there that you can use if your course is based on WordPress, um, like iDev Affiliate and some others. Um, I believe the Pippin's plugins people have an affiliate plugin as well, and that might be something to look at. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we, we keep hounding Gumroad. We would love for them to offer an affiliate program. It would make things a lot easier. Um, but you're going to have to look into your individual options and, and see what people have. A lot of um, courses that you might build on top of WordPress are going to involve some sort of a membership plugin. You know, so essentially you're going to sell a membership to your course and then people get lifetime access or whatever. And some of those membership plugins also have affiliate programs built in. So if this is important to you, you know, make sure as you're researching the different platform options and self-hosted options that you ask or you look into whether or not they include the ability to build an affiliate program. Yeah, I mean the the the, the reason why you know Gumroad probably doesn't offer an affiliate program is because affiliate programs uh, notoriously have a sort of CD background where it's like scammy people on the internet doing things black hat or SEO or where they're finding your site, they're finding their site instead of your site, and now they're just so they can get a commission. We've had this experience with Start a Blog That Matters before, where people were starting up uh, fake Corbett Bar Twitter accounts, you know, and things like that. So it can be it can be. It's just something you have to explore. So what we do in Fizzle right now is we have a, a small group of people that we've identified as as uh, large publishers that we trust and give them special uh, affiliate rates. But mostly it's this member referral program that we have that that makes it so you're not making money. You're just saving money on your – so people, if you refer 10 people to Fizzle, you get free Fizzle for life. Um, so it's a way to kind of pay you back without allowing all of that scammy sort of stuff to come in and, and screw, frankly, with our brand. Right, because once it's out, you never know. Now people like see some crappy page that calls itself Frazzle selling Fizzle, and now they're like, "Ah, Fizzle seems really scammy." Right? It's like, no, you're on Frazzle. <laughs> you're on Frazzle. Come on, people. <laughs> I like that. Okay, quickly here. Question uh, number thirty-six: Should you use what? Do you have any sort of community element? If so, is it going to be uh, uh, your own forum software or a Facebook group? We don't have a lot of time to answer this here. Maybe we'll save it for another conversation later on, where we can hear from people who have done Facebook groups before. We've done forums. We, I love, I love our forum. I really dislike our forum software. I dislike how old and dated it looks. But, but the truth is, people are meeting each other and 
they're communicating around topics and ideas and getting answers to their questions and stuff like that. Whereas in a Facebook group, that can be happening as well. But if it gets big, then it's like this constant stream of noise and you can't find anything and it, and it, and it can be pretty, can be pretty, uh, well, and the, the community that you worked so hard to gather now lives on Facebook, and great, you don't have any control over it. So, yeah. Um, but forums tend to die. We've we've seen this before. Uh, courses that start out with a very small community, it's kind of hard to keep the forum going. So, in that case, you might be better off just having some sort of Q and A. Which, if you're implementing this again on WordPress, you can uh, underneath your lessons just embed comments. And have your uh, students ask questions within the comments that you can then answer. Yeah, totally. Another way to do this is have some sort of like a monthly coaching call or group call where everybody in the group uh, for the first six months gets to sort of jump on the thing and ask their questions in person with you on uh, Skype or something, you know? Um, okay, so video setup. We're getting into our last three here. Okay, so which video setup are you going to use if you're hosting videos? For uh, we, before we've used, uh, uh, Vimeo Pro. We had we started with that, and then eventually moved over to Wistia. And Wistia, I mean, it seems like is Wistia still our most expensive sort of business expense, Corbett? Um, yeah, it's up there. I mean, we serve a lot of videos, but it is uh, Wistia can become a significant expense. And if that's a concern to you, I mean, for us, you know, in terms of like percentage of revenue, it's it's pretty small. But yeah. um, but it is a you know it is an expense, and if that's a concern to you. Uh, and you don't think that you need the sort of level of um, sophistication that Wistia offers, which is primarily, you know, they they have great stats. They have a lot of ways to control the look and the feel of the videos, ways to control where your videos can be embedded and so on. Then you might look into something else. We looked for a long time into Vimeo as an option, Vimeo Pro, which is much cheaper. I believe it was like $60 a year or something. The problem yeah. for us was that we had these horrible issues with our audio not syncing properly uh, within the videos yeah. and with some color correction issues. And so we ended up uh, going with Wistia instead. And I'm happy. I really like Wistia and, and um, we tend to recommend them quite a bit, um, even though they do cost a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. You could also use YouTube as a hidden link or, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's for video. Then there's payment processing. Are you using Stripe or Braintree or PayPal? God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the idea here is we, we also have a, a a course within Fizzle on comparing and contrasting some of these payment methods with one another. So if you're interested in that and if you're at that stage, definitely check that out. Um, but like Corbett mentioned before, you're also going to be thinking about, you know, if you're using WordPress, a membership plugin or something like that. Luckily, if you're just selling a package of files, you don't have to deal with that, like on Gumroad or something. You just, Gum, that, all of that happens through Gumroad, right? Which is great. Um, but this whole custom setup thing, it, it's, as you can see, there's a lot of moving pieces. Where am I hosting my videos? How am I going to get them into my site? Then, uh, what about the conversation and community? Are we going to do that? Is Facebook or forum? And how about processing payments? And then, did that integrating that with our membership uh, software and things like that? It can get, it can turn into to a bunch of stuff, and so it kind of leads into this next one: WordPress. Um, if you're using WordPress, you're going to have to work with a handful of plugins, right? So there are. What's great is there are some courseware out there that you could just plug into to WordPress, like uh, what Barrett mentioned above, uh, Zippy courses, a handful of other things like that. We there's a bunch of free themes out there too, like old ones. Um, for and I'll put I'll put a a link to a handful of WordPress course themes in the show notes here. 
Um, but suffice it to say that now, I mean, membership plugins is a big deal. We've, we use paid memberships pro and we're sort of working towards moving away from it. We've always heard good things about member mouse. Um, Corbett, you mentioned what S2 member or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I used that in the past. That one was fine. There's wish list member. There's a member. There's all these different plugins out there. And the, there are a couple of reasons why we don't have like a go-to plugin that we recommend. The first is that this landscape changes every six months or so. There yeah. are new players and, and, um, new has come to light, man. And uh, so it's kind of hard to keep our finger on on the pulse of what's going on with this. We should um, really do like an evaluation course on all of these different ones. But generally what we recommend is that you know you make a list of the features that you want. Do you want the ability to use Stripe or Braintree or some specific payments processor? What kind of video do you want to host? Um, you know, Do you want an affiliate program? Make a list of all these things and then go evaluate you know, um, the top six or eight different options that are out there. And many of these you can find by just going to the WordPress plugins directory and type in membership and see what comes up there. Um, and then, you know, download and install a few of them and look at the interface and see if it makes sense to you, see how easy it seems to use. Um, maybe ask if you're a, a fizzler, ask in the fizzle forums. We have people discussing the ins and outs of different plugins there all the time. Yeah. Um, okay. The, now, really quick, this last one. I just wanted us to mention all the things that we're using at Fizzle here, so that people know um, what we're doing. So, so you mentioned, uh, you know, does it integrate with the payment processor that you want? I mean, the only reason why we chose Paid Memberships Pro in the first place was because it integrated with Stripe, which we knew we wanted to use Stripe as a credit as a credit card processor. We just knew we wanted to do that for some reason, and so we went with Paid Memberships Pro because it was like the only one at the time that really did it. That was a that was a viable option at all. So uh, that's how we've sort of made decisions here over time. And and like you've said, uh, <laughs> these membership plugins change or like every six months. What's available? Um, but here's what we use. Okay, so we use WordPress with a custom theme that we've sort of coded and designed and developed from the ground up uh, our, to, to be our way. We're using the Types plugin uh, with a couple different types, one for courses, uh, one for lessons, and one for interviews. So within WordPress, you can set up different taxonomies, and I'll leave it at that if you don't know what I'm talking about, because I just hope you never have what to What you know talking, what talking about, Chase Reese? <laughs> we used Paid Memberships Pro, because it was at the time, it was the only one that integrated with Stripe. Um, and obviously, that means that we're using Stripe for our payment processing. Uh, then we're using IP board for the forum software, which is, which is the same thing that your World of Warcraft, uh, community <laughs> account was hosted on back in the day. And we're using Wistia to host videos. What am I missing here, guys? Anything? Um, what are you missing? I could, I'll, I'll, I'll make, Did you mention, uh, no you didn't in mention intercom. Oh yeah. Intercom, intercom is, is, uh, what we use for member communications. It's really sort of a customer relationship management system and um we love it we, we're in there every day we use it for customer support as well and then we also use meal mailchimp 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 <laughs> mail mailchimp to uh to manage our our email stuff right um which we've gone real deep on that now we have like a we, we we're basically <laughs> i think we're maxing out uh the the kinds of features we can use within mailchimp but uh i'll also put in the show notes links to the cameras that we use the the audio and things like that that's all right now this is all right now if we were starting from scratch right now i don't know what of this would be different i think we wouldn't be using paid memberships pro we'd be using something newer but but uh for the most part it, it's still going to look like this am i right yeah i think so more or less 
in terms now this is this is for this huge you know this is like think about it. this isn't just a course this is a huge you know uh, uh, academy of courses in this business fizzle that we've built so that's why using something like udemy or or using some courseware that's out there that's that exists it's really simple to get into and do for the most part and uh and it solves a lot of those problems before you so if you did want to grow later on and have multiple course offerings you could do that later on using a totally roll your own custom thing but you don't have to up front you can use a handful of these plugins and, and it works with wordpress or i mean i wish there was some Maybe there is like like maybe that Fedora. I don't know anything about Fedora, Barrett. Like what you put up there, but something like that, someone that can Squarespaceify making a course that would be uh, that would be what I'd be looking for. Especially if I could put it on my own domain and stuff like that. Well, guys, woo. that is uh, that is woo. a lot. That was woo. our, our uh, that was a woo. It's got to be I'm the last episode so far, eh? I'm tired. Yeah, I think this is gonna clock in right around an hour and a half. Sorry, guys. I should have made less points. Well, you've, you've got the points in the show notes, which is fantastic. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you just skipped to the end, uh, you could always go look at the show notes and, and find out which points we made throughout. Yeah. And uh, maybe that'll be a good reference point. Yeah, but like, you know, I'm only making notes there because all of this color commentary on here, this is what makes it uh, interesting because to, have a, to edit myself down to actually writing about it is... Ugh. Who wants to do that? Who wants to? You don't get any of the you don't get any of the details. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash one ten. We list out every item that we talked about here with some notes for you. So while you're there, also go ahead and add your email to our newsletter. So you get an email from us uh, once a week with some news and motivation to keep you sort of keeping on, you know? That's fizzleshow.co slash 110. You know our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs find this show. Okay, so could you leave us a review? I'm asking you right now. Could you just could you just fire up iTunes and leave us a review? Here's one uh, from a person named Late Texter in the U.S., who says, no matter my mood, this podcast gets me going in two crucial ways. It gets me pumped about my business and gets me laughing so hard I almost pee my pants. <laughs> so we got that going for us. Thanks, late texter. Uh, maybe uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe you can uh, not be so late all the time or something. I don't know. Let's change your name. I feel like we could do something there. All right. That's it from us. I hope, you, I hope you're doing well. This building a business stuff is pretty intense. I hope you're learning about yourself learn about your world, learn about, I don't know, uh, what, what kind of uh, things you want to leave behind when you inevitably leave this planet, how you want to leave it differently than when you found it. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.